Get your fingers limbered tonight because we're going to be looking up many different scriptures this evening. Romans chapter 12. In, in the book of Romans, and you find this throughout uh, many of Paul's writings, that what God led and guided and directed him to do was to start out the first part of the book and lay down some doctrinal principles, some doctrinal precepts. And then at the last part of the book, he builds on those doctrines, but he, he does so by, by uh, giving specific admonitions to behavior. So he talks about what, what to believe in the first part of the book, and then the second part of the book, you find he, he talks about how to live accordingly. You find that in the book of Romans, up through uh, chapter, chapter 11, not that there aren't practical things in the first 11 chapters, there obviously are, but it's just, it's doctrine after doctrine after doctrine having to do with salvation, having to do with the Christian life, how that we have the Holy Spirit of God, how that we are dead to sin, uh, how that we need to yield ourselves unto righteousness and so forth. All those doctrines are laid out. And then he comes to chapter 12, and from chapter 12 to the end of the book, the thing is just one practical lesson after another practical lesson after another. And the, the, the first two verses, and I think there's probably, as far as uh, uh, preaching on Christian living, there's probably not two verses that have been used any more than Romans chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2. And the reason why that is is because this is, this is the segue uh, into the practical from the doctrinal. So with that in mind, let's all stand together. And if your neighbor doesn't have a Bible, please allow them to look on with you. We're in uh, Romans chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And what he simply said was, I beseech you therefore, in other words, because of all those doctrines that we just looked at in the first 11 chapters, he says, therefore, he says, I beseech you, I, I beg you, to, to uh, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Verse 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And that's what we're going to look at this evening, is finding God's will personally. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we ask your blessings upon this time in your word, and we pray that, that you would speak to our hearts. Give us not only instruction, but give us wisdom. Give us understanding. Give us ears to hear tonight. And Father, help us to be able to take the things that we find in Scripture and, and see how they are connected personally to our lives. May, may our hearts be open in such a way that the Spirit of God can connect the dots and uh, can show us the, the areas in which uh, we need to pay attention so that we might see your leading, your guiding, and your directing in our lives so that we might prove what is that perfect and acceptable will of God in our lives. We, we uh, Lord, have the desire to please you, to honor you tonight. And uh, Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us through your word. 
in, in a specific way that you might be honored and glorified. We'll be careful to thank you and to praise you for what you do. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now, obviously, according to these first two verses, it, it starts, the whole process starts with giving ourselves unreservedly to God. Uh, if you want to know what the will of God is in your life, and that, that is a, that's a standard question. Uh, you hear that all the time. Well, I, I just don't know what God's will is in this particular area of my life. Uh, we, we need to, to, before we can get to that point, uh, we need to be unreservedly given to God. Uh, we need to be conformed to Christ, not conformed to this world. Uh, we, we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, and that's because we don't think the way that God does. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. And then we need to be doing the, the general will of God already. Now, what I mean by the general will of God, in the Bible, there are things that God says that we need to all be a part of doing. Uh, for instance, uh, uh, the Bible says that all of us are to be, be saved because he's not willing that any should perish, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, and we ought to be a witness. Uh, we all ought to be controlled by God's Spirit and His Word, not be self-willed. Self That's true for every person who's saved. Uh, we ought to avoid sin. Uh, we ought to live our lives for God, not for ourselves. Uh, that's, a, that's a general will of God. If you're doing that, you know you're right smack dab in that area in the will of God in your life. Uh, the Bible talks about obeying authority and being in the will of God in doing so. God has placed authorities in our lives, and we're to obey those authorities. When we do, we're in God's will. Um, over in 1 Thessalonians, it says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. In Christ Jesus concerning you. So being thankful. You never, you never go wrong. <laughs> okay? You'll never, you, you never, you never uh, be wrong by being thankful to God. You can never be too thankful. And when we are, we're, we're fulfilling God's will. When we suffer for righteousness sake, for doing right, uh, then we are in the middle of God's will. Uh, that's what God would have us to do as individuals. That's true again for everyone. Uh, and, and to do so the way Jesus did, to do so without complaint. Uh, and, and, and I think we're all working on that one, the, especially the without complaint part. And then, then the last one is to, to be just to be a giver. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 5 talks about, about giving and uh, how, that, how that we, when we give, we're, we're uh, fulfilling the, word, the, the, the will of God in our lives. Those things are all general things in, in the will of God. And before you can be concerned about the specific, make sure that you're following the general will and doing that which the Lord would have every believer do. But what about the specific details? You know, when you come to a, uh, a, a, to, to a point where you have to make a decision that's going to uh, affect other areas of your life, uh, what about those things? How, how, how do you find out what is the specific will of God for you in various areas of our life and in various decisions that we make? Well, uh, I, I can't tell you what it is, 
but I can tell you how to find it. Have you ever have you ever been going down a road and all of a sudden there is a division in the road and there may be more than one? Uh, I've been in places where anywhere from three to five roads come together, and uh, they uh, they they come together in such a way that you you've got to make a choice of which way to go, and along somewhere on that in in that intersection. There are signs, and one sign will say, if you want to go to such such place, you go there. And uh, if you go there, you'll hit so something else. And if you go there, you'll hit a another area or another uh, site or whatever. Well, uh, God has road signs for us when we're looking for the will of God. And there are road signs that are personal for us. And we're going to take a look at what those road signs are uh, so that so that we can discern what is the specific will of God for us. The first one uh, is an obvious one, I think. Go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, look with me. Down in verse 16, this is all scripture, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. First thing that he gives us as a road sign is, is the word of God. God directs us by his commands. He, he directs us by his precepts, by his principles, by the pictures that he paints for us in scripture. Um, all these things are put in Scripture so that we might get some direction from him for our own personal lives. If it's unscriptural, it's always wrong. Uh, no matter how you feel, no matter what the circumstances are. One of the things that I have heard um, just generally, probably in the last, oh, probably 10 to 15 years in particular, I have heard people make comments like this. Well, I know what the Bible says, but, whoa, stop right there. Your viewpoint is wrong. <laughs> You're coming to the Word of God with the wrong viewpoint. What you think is that there are times when you can be an exception to this book. You are never an exception to this book. The book is always right. And you and I, if we're contrary to it, are always wrong. Don't ever forget that. There are, there are no grand exceptions like that in Scripture where, where the Bible says, for instance, uh, just to give you an example, the, the Bible says, uh, thou shalt not kill. Well, guess what that makes abortion? It makes it wrong, period. It just does. Uh, yeah, but my circumstances, but my situation is, uh, I'm not ready to have a baby. Doesn't make any difference. I know what the Bible says. And you have to, we start at this point because you have to come to the word of God with that mindset. With the mindset that you say, listen, if God says it's wrong, it doesn't make any difference what the circumstances are. I need to make sure that I'm in line with God's word. And 
the, the other thing about the Word of God is we can, because we have his book, because we have it written down in black and white, because it was given by inspiration and it was kept by preservation, and we have it in our King James Authorized Version 1611 Bible, we can go to the book and, and we can get the mind of God on a matter. We can, we can take our twisted thinking and untwist it and get it to line up with the way that God thinks on various matters. Um, we don't naturally think right. We've already talked about that, the fact that his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts, but the word of God gives us wisdom on those things. So the first road sign, and it's, it's first for a reason because that should be right at the top of the list. The very first road sign is the word of God. And just be careful, okay? Be careful. I, I have uh, uh, talked with folks who have... Uh, have been uh, praying about a particular subject. And they find a verse in the Bible. And they take that verse and they make it apply specifically to their situation. Now, it may be the case, but don't twist the Bible to make it fit your situation. Let your situation be twisted to fit the Bible, <laughs> okay? Uh, don't do it the other way around. Be careful of that. And the second thing is not only the scriptures, but, but we need to have a surrendered heart. Take your, take your uh, uh, Bible and go to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13 is where the Apostle Paul and Barnabas have been sent out from Antioch. And uh, in, in uh, Acts chapter 13, verse, let's see, I want to go up to verse 20, let's go up to verse 21. It's talking about Israel, and it says, and afterward they desired a king. And, and this, is, this is Paul speaking, he's preaching a sermon in the synagogue, and uh, he says, and afterward they desired a king, and God gave unto them Saul, the son of Sis, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, by the, by the space of 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. How did you know that he would fulfill the will of God? Well, because he had a heart like the heart of God. In other words, he was, he was surrendered to God's heart. He wanted to, to have in his life what God wanted him to have in his life. And, and David had that kind of a surrendered heart. Be willing to fo follow God's mind on a matter even before he reveals it to you. One of the, um, I, was, I was looking, even last night, looking at, at some uh, quotes by George Mueller about finding the will of God. And one of the things that he said that was so, that he believed was one of the most important things that, that had to take place is that you had to give, get yourself to the point where you were resigned that if there was a decision ha that had to be made and it was either go this way or that way, Either way, whichever way is the way that God wanted you to go, you are resigned either way you'd be pleased. 
In other words, you've given up your will to the matter, and I, I believe that's, that's very similar to what, what really Jesus said when he was in the garden, and he said, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He was saying, listen, I have a, I have a desire, but nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He was resigned to the will of God, and we need to, to have that kind of resignation. Our heart you know, should, should simply be, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Then, uh, then the next thing that we need to do is not only have a surrendered will, but spend time in prayer over the thing. Go to James chapter 1. And there are, there are many times, uh, I think probably one of the most recent, when I just... I was brain dead, and I just did not have some answers in, in certain situations and circumstances. And that was when we got hit with COVID back about two years ago in March. And, uh, you know, we got, we got thrown all kinds of curveballs. I've never been down that road before. You've never been down that road before. I thought somebody made a, a very intelligent uh, uh, comment on that whole situation. We did not have people from the previous generation that we could go to and say, listen, you've been through this kind of stuff. Uh, what is your advice for us? Because the people that were alive during 1918, when we had the, the you know, had the, the, uh, the, the um, uh, what was it called? Uh, Spanish flu, Spanish flu. Uh, during that time, uh, they're, they're all gone. You know, we had, we've never been through it ourselves. When we didn't even have somebody that we could consult that had been through it. And so I found myself just really a lot just praying and saying, God, I have no clue what to do in this particular situation. And it would just seem to be one after another after another. Well, life is that way. Uh, life will throw you all kinds of situations like that where you've not been there before, you may or may not have somebody that you can consult about the matter, and you just need to have some direction. James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, gives us that direction. It says, If any, man, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So you come to God, you pray, ask him to give you wisdom in the matter, and, and you do so in faith. Go with me over to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew 7 and, and verse, verse 7, Matthew 7, 7, Jesus is speaking about prayer, and he says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Now, that's not only talking about uh, having faith when you, when you pray, but persistence when you pray. You ask, you seek, you knock. In other words, you, you do whatever is necessary to plead with God to, to give you the answers that you need. And God uses prayer 
to draw us closer to him. Uh, when, when we pray, there's, a, there's a, a real simple little acrostic that was given to me back many years ago. It's really helped me with, uh, with a, a, a form for my personal prayer life. And it's, it's the word acts, A-C-T-S. A-C-T-S starts with adoration, A. Uh, spend time praising God. Spend time uh, thanking God. Spend time telling God how much you love him. Then C, that's confession. Make sure that you get, get your sins taken care of. And you come to God and confess your sin. If you're faithful and just, if, 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 if we confess our sins, the Bible says God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Then, then uh, thirdly is thanks. Spend, just spend some time thanking God for how good he's been to you. And then S is supplication. And supplication is when you ask him for things. And one of the things that we ought to be asking God for is to give us wisdom and give us direction uh, in, in, in uh, the, the areas of life where we have questions. Um, there's there's uh, five just really predominant things, ways that, that God uses, things that he uses, ways that he uses in our lives in order to get our attention so that we would seek him in prayer. And, and I'm convinced that uh, oftentimes we come into situations that are real conundrums for us. We, they're real head scratchers. We don't know which way to go because God desires to get close to us. God desires to lead us and guide us and direct us so that we can, we can have the answer. But uh, he, he allows those kind of things to come into our lives. And these are the five predominant things that he uses to get our attention so we do pray and we do ask for wisdom. He uses financial trouble. He uses health problems. He uses marital difficulties, family difficulties. He uses uncertain changes in life. <laughs> and when, when I looked at that one, uncertain changes in life, that's just about all of life. Uh, every time you think you've got it pretty much knocked, you get thrown a curveball. And by the way, those curveballs never quit coming. And then, then the last one is relationship problems with others. And you look at, for instance, the book of Psalms. And a lot of the Psalms are David's prayers. And he's asking for wisdom. He's asking for direction. He's asking for God to intervene on, on his behalf. He's asking God to show him some things clearly. Can I tell you, a lot of the, re, the uh, situations that, that David was praying about in the book of Psalms were, were situations of, of relationship problems, uh, whether it be uh, problems with the Philistines, problems with his father-in-law, problems within his own family, problems with his own son, uh, just one thing after another. But God uses all of these things to drive us to prayer so that we can come to God and ask for wisdom and guidance and direction. Then the, the next guidepost that he uses, the next sign that he uses in order to uh, signpost to direct us into his will. Go with me to the book of John chapter 16. John chapter 16. One of the, one of the things the Bible teaches us is that when a person in this age trusts Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, gets their sins forgiven, becomes born again, 
Bible says that the moment that that happens in your life, that not only does God forgive you of all your sins and, and give you eternal life, but he gives you someone. He gives you the Holy Spirit of God. And that Holy Spirit of God is in you. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6 that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. When, when, uh, when Jesus left this earth, when he was getting ready to leave, he was instructing here his disciples and saying, listen, when I go, I'm going to pass the baton on to someone else, the, the third person of the Godhead. And that third person is the Spirit of God. And he's got a special ministry for that, that in which he'll minister to you. In chapter 16, look with me down in verse, uh, let's see, John 16, verse 13. Verse 13. It says, How be it when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he shall show you things to come. Now he's talking there about the, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And the, the Holy Spirit will is given to us so that he can lead us and guide us into all truth. And one of the ways he does that is through decisions and through finding and being able to pinpoint exactly what the will of God is for us. One of the things that you can, you can always count on, the Spirit of God will never, ever lead you contrary to the book that he wrote. If, if he wrote the book, and we know that he did, then uh, he's not going to lead you and guide you and direct you against the principles that are found in this book. The, the Spirit and the Word go hand in hand. In fact, take your Bibles and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And then go down with me, if you would, to the book of Colossians. You're in Ephesians, then the next book is Philippians. The book after that is the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. So Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Now, right there he said, listen, I want you to know what God's will is and what it is specifically for your life. How do you do that, Lord? Verse 18, And be not drunk with wine or in success, but be filled with with the Spirit speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of, of God. Uh, what he says is, is that the important thing to be is to be filled, or in other words, controlled, by God's word. If you say that, that uh, a person is, is filled with anger, what are you saying? Well, you're saying that that anger is controlling him. If you say he's, f he's just full of happiness today, well, then that means that happiness is controlling him. What if he's full of the Holy Spirit of God? It just simply means that the Spirit of God 
is controlling them. He's leading them and guiding them and directing them. Now notice, if you go with me over to Colossians chapter 3, Colossians chapter 3, and uh, look with me, let's, let's see, start in verse 15. It says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. And then just like in the book of Ephesians, when he goes immediately into the husband-wife relationship in this particular uh, passage, he does the same thing. Did you notice how the two were very similar? Talking about teaching and admonishing one another and so forth. Well, that's because those two things work together. The person of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God work together to, to lead us and to guide us into truth. The Spirit and, and the Word work hand in hand. Uh, over in the, the uh, book of Acts, Acts chapter 8, Philip has just left a, a huge working of God in the cities. And God has told him to leave. And, and the Spirit of God moved him and prompted him to go elsewhere. Where he went was out in the desert. And, and, you know, if that had been me, uh, and you, you, were, you were seeing God use you to see people saved and to see uh, wondrous things done in the hearts and lives of others, uh, a great multitude, and then God says, I want you to leave all this that's going on. Let those others that are there carry on the work. I want you to go on out in the desert. You know, you'd be, it'd be one of those head scratchers, like, okay, what am I, what am I doing out here in the middle of nowhere? But he brought him out there, and there was an Ethiopian eunuch that, is, that was just returning from Jerusalem. He had, he had evidently picked up in Jerusalem a, a copy of the scriptures, a portion of the scriptures from the book of Isaiah that have to do with the coming of the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was going across the desert, and the Spirit of God prompted Philip and said, Go join yourself to that man in the chariot. Well, he did, and the, and the, the rest of the story is that uh, he saw what he was reading. He asked him if he understood it. He says, how can I accept some man should guide me? And he began to, to preach unto him Jesus from the, the book of Isaiah. And, and the long and short of it is he trusted Christ as Savior. They stopped at a body of water. He baptized him, and he went back to Ethiopia. Well, why did Philip do that? Well, because the Spirit of God prompted him to do so, and he followed that prompting. And again, the Spirit of God and the Word of God always work together. Another thing that God uses, go with me to Romans chapter 8. This is something that God will, will use often in your lives. And I don't believe any of these things are... are usually standalones. God usually uses a combination. It doesn't have to necessarily be every single one of these, these uh, road signs and signposts. <clears throat> God will often use a combination of them. But uh, one of the things that God often uses is what we're going to look at down in verse, verse 28. It says, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, 
To them who are the call according to, to his purpose. He says that all things work together for good. What are all things? You know what all things are? They're circumstances. They're, they're things that happen in your life. In other words, there are no accidents. There, 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 there is no... You know, I, I can't stand it when someone uh, who is a Christian says, says in parting uh, from me, well, good luck, brother. Oh, I hate that. Because <laughs> I'm sorry, there is no luck in the Christian life. Amen? It's, it's, it's ordained and it's, it's directed by God. And uh, uh, so there is no luck. But all things work together for good. And those all things are circumstances. And, and I have watched God do that in my life over and over and over again. Where he has, he has taken a circumstance or a combination of circumstances and used them to make it very clear what needs to be the next step in my life. Back years ago when I was in Green Bay, I helped start a church out there. And we were there for almost 15 years. I was happy. I was resigned. I was surrendered to be there for the rest of my life. And that was my heart attitude. And the preacher uh, asked me to go out for a cup of coffee one morning, and we sat down at a, at a table, and he said, i, I got to let you know something's going on. I said, well, what's that? He said, well, for the first time uh, in many years, he says, God is drying up the uh, finances in our church. And he said, I've, I've kept track of it, and, and we've got a guy that has been, been watching it, and it's to the tune of, and he gave me the, the figure, and he says, that just so happens to be your salary. <laughs> and he says, it's, you know, it's your salary. I, th that's how much we're paying you per month, and it's drying up. And by, by March of next, this is in November of 1987, he said, by, by March of 1988, it's going to be gone. And he says, you know, uh, there's something I want you to consider. And then he, he proposed to me that I ought to consider that uh, maybe God was moving me on to, to pastor a church somewhere. I began to, to pray about that thing, and that's exactly what God did. And he did move me out of there. But he used a circumstance to get, get my attention. Um, probably the, and Debbie, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I think the shortest ministry that your father ever had was in Rochester at First Bible Baptist Church. Wasn't that the shortest? It was like a year and a half. And I don't think there was any other, any other time he'd ever been in any place any, any shorter than that. Um, he, he was one that he, he would go and plant a church. He planted a church in Florida. He planted a church in Rochester. He planted, in fact, he planted a couple of them in Rochester. He um, uh, planted a, a church in, in Michigan. Uh, he was a church planter, and he stuck it out until the next guy came along and, and took over the, uh, the ministry. But the work that he was in, he was in, in as an associate pastor. He was only there for a year and a half. And you say, man, I uh, wonder why it was so short. Well, as far as, as far as having to leave, I don't know. But I know why he went there. Because if he hadn't gone there, her path and mine probably wouldn't have crossed. And so God gave him that short little time, which looks like a, you know, looks like a real anomaly. It looks like a real blip 
in the grand scheme of things. It was no blip at all, <laughs> not, to, not to Debbie and myself. We're thankful for it. Uh, you know, we're getting ready this next August to, to celebrate 50 years of, of, uh, of being married together. I, I'm excited about that. That's, that's exciting. Uh, but what I'm also excited about is that God led her dad to go to that, that church for just that short period of time so the two of us could meet. Um, take your Bibles and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians 2. Uh, look down. Look down at verse 18. 1 Thessalonians 2.18. It says, Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. Well, what Paul's saying is, is that, that uh, they had determined to go to Thessalonica, but God stopped them from going by allowing Satan to hinder them. And, and because Satan hindered them, because there was a roadblock, there was some sort of a, a circumstance, obviously, that rose up, then that, that particular trip was prevented. Now, circumstances alone aren't enough, but it's one of the many things that God uses to get our attention and to, to show us what his will is. Uh, take, take your Bibles and go to Jeremiah chapter 17. Here's another signpost that God uses. Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17. God uses uh, peace in our hearts, but be careful of this one. And we'll look at some verses here in a minute that, that talk about the peace that, that God can give in your heart about a decision, about a situation, about a circumstance. But, but I, I want to start with a word of caution. And I start with a word of caution simply because I know what the Bible has to say about our heart. Look in chapter 17 and down in verse 9. God says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. Now that doesn't mean that he can't give peace to it because he can. And we'll see that in just a minute. But, but understand that uh, you can even deceive yourself. There are times when I went down a particular road and really thought that it was the will of God in a particular area and found out that no, it was not. In other words, I, you know, I discerned that thing wrong. I just, I need to warn you. you there's times when you're, you're going to make an error. You know, you're going to say, well, I really, I really believe. I, re I remember uh, somebody making a comment one time. Something happened in their life. And they said, well, this is an answer to prayer. And so I know, based upon that, without a doubt in my mind, boy, you better be careful of that. You better be careful of, of, of uh, making statements that uh, aren't necessarily backed up by God. I know I've done it a lot. Uh, but uh, he says, I, I, I'm absolutely positive that because this is happening, then therefore, this is what's going to take place. And this never took place. It just didn't. So they, you know, they missed the mark. Well, we can do that. 
and understand that because your heart is deceitful, uh, above all things, and desperately wicked, not even you can know it, but God can, uh, there are times when you're, you're going to miss the mark. But can God give you peace in your heart? He sure can. Go to James chapter 3. James chapter 3, but he's going to do it in a particular order, in a particular way. James 3 and down in verse 17 says, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable. And that's always the order that it follows. If there is not purity, then the peace will be false. So be careful. Uh, make sure that your life is clean. Make sure that your life is right before God. And, and uh, if, if you do, God can give you that peace that passes all understanding, but it's always preceded uh, by purity. Go to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4, look in verses uh, 6 through 9. Verse 6 says, be careful, and that means full of care. In other words, don't be, don't be worrisome. Uh, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. In other words, take, take it to God in prayer. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. In other words, when we pray, uh, God will give us that peace. Then verse 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. You get the peace of God through prayer. You get the peace of God through being obedient and practicing those things that you know and getting your, your heart and mind on the right things. Uh, all of those, th those things are, are, are different elements that all come together. Many of these, of these uh, signposts that God uses to direct us, they don't, again, they don't stand alone, Okay. They work in conjunction with one another, and God will bring several of them together, just like in this case, and uh, give, you, give you that peace about things. Um, go to Romans chapter 14. Romans 14, here's another part of that, that peace in your heart thing. Uh, Romans chapter 14, the whole, whole chapter of Romans 14 is talking about uh, things that are that are doubtful, things that you're not sure about whether you should or shouldn't participate in them. And in Romans 14 and verses 22 and 23, it says, Hast thou faith? And again, remember, he's talking to save people. You need to understand that. He's talking to save people. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. In other words, you have a good conscience about it. You have, you have peace about the thing. Verse 23, and he that doubteth is, is damned if he eat. Now, that's not talking about damn going to hell. It's talking about the fact that you're con you condemn yourself 
if you violate that conscience, he's condemned if he eat because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. And again, what he uses, he uses that faith and he uses prayer and he uses the right mind and he uses an obedient heart, puts that all together and he gives you peace and, 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 and shows you through that peace in your heart uh, that this is the way to go. This is the direction to take. Another road sign that he gives us over in Psalm 37. Go to Psalm 37. Spoke about that the, this morning. Psalm 37. It's a favorite psalm of mine. Psalm 37. And in Psalm 37, look down in verse 4. It says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Um, one, of, one of the things that he uses is, is a desire. Um, I watched, uh, when I was young in the Lord, I had, before I got saved, of course, I had the wrong desires. I had fleshly desires. Then I got saved. Now I got a new nature in Christ. And so I've got the old nature and I've got the new nature. Well, that new nature along with that comes new desires. And uh, I was, uh, before I was called to preach, I was headed to be a math teacher and I was planning on it. And in fact, when I started get the, getting the inkling that God was calling me to preach, I said, well, Lord, no, I was planning on being a math teacher. That's the way I thought you wanted me to go. And I'll just, I'll be a good godly math teacher and win a lot of students to Christ. You know, that, that was my, my thinking. But while I was in a college at the, and this, this all took place over a, a period of time, I started to take calculus. I, I'm one of those sick people in life, okay? I mean, I'm really, I'm, I'm mentally ill. I love math. I love it, okay? I always have. I just, I, I enjoy it. My favorite subject was algebra. Yeah, I know, I'm a sick puppy. I, I understand. Uh, but I, I just, I loved algebra. And uh, uh, so when I went into college, uh, I had to take calculus. So I took calculus one. I thought, oh man, that's an extension of algebra. Man, that's going to be exciting. I hated calculus. That never happened to me before in my whole life. I, I, you know, I, 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 like I said, I've always liked math. My father liked math. My, my, my dad and I really kind of bonded over homework at times, even though he half the time he couldn't do the problems. But he was trying to help me anyway. But uh, uh, we, uh, we, would, we would bond over that thing because we both had a desire for it. All of a sudden, my desires for being a math teacher went right out the window. And, and, and I couldn't explain it. I just couldn't until I realized, wait a minute, God's changing my desires because he's changing my direction. And he doesn't want me to be a godly math teacher. He wants me to be a godly preacher in the ministry. And uh, uh, you take, you look in, in 1 Timothy chapter, chapter 3 and verse 1, and it says, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desires a good thing. Uh, I believe that when, you, when they have that kind of a desire, God puts that desire in your heart. So your own desires can be used to show you what direction to go. 
And then the next one, Proverbs 11. Got two left. This one and one more. Proverbs 11. Proverbs chapter 11, look down at verse 14. Proverbs 11, verse 14. Proverbs 11, 14 says, Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. God uses godly advice and counsel that you can get from others. Uh, you weigh all counsel in the light of the scriptures. If counsel ever goes against what the word of God says, your counsel is wrong and the word of God is always right. You go to those who are your authorities, who God has put in an uh, authoritative position in your life uh, because they, God has given them some responsibility over you. You go to those authorities and you, and you ask their counsel. Whenever you're asking counsel, however, don't ask counsel, uh, don't use a multitude of counselors with the idea of taking a vote. Um, in fact, when I was uh, back in Green Bay here a few weeks back, uh, Pastor Keck and I were talking about a particular incident with a particular lady who was in our church. She left our church in a huff, uh, went somewhere else, and then about five years later, she finds herself calling up Pastor Keck and, and uh, asking him, you know, I've got this situation in my life. I'd really appreciate your counsel on the thing. And he's thinking, well, if you appreciate my counsel so much, how come you left the church in the first place? But anyway, uh, she, had, she had gone ahead and she'd left. And, and she was asking counsel. And about halfway through the, the, the thing, he says, wait a minute. He says, have you, have you asked uh, any other pastors in town? about this particular matter. And she says, yeah, as a matter of fact, I have asked, and she started naming them off, this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy. And presently, the score is, and she, you know, she said, well, uh, uh, so, so many says, uh, three of them say yay and two of them say no or whatever. And, uh, or, or, two, or two said yes and two said no, you're the tiebreaker. I don't know what it was. But it was, that's really what she was doing. She was taking a vote. That isn't what counsel is. Okay, counsel is getting some wisdom from others that you don't have yourself and asking God to guide you and direct you and, and to do so uh, from a scriptural, biblical basis. And then the last thing. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy 1, look in verse 7. 2 Timothy 1.7. This is a verse that we quoted there for a while uh, during the pandemic. Se uh, 2 Timothy 1.7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. He'll always use sound thinking. Um, it's what we often call common sense. Uh, sound thinking uh, doesn't always necessarily make human sense as far as our particular situation goes, but, but it's, it's sound. It's, it's thinking soberly. It's thinking properly. It's thinking righteously. And just make sure that when you come to those, those forks in the road where you have to make decisions, that you have a mind that's not full of fear and, and, uh, and not, not fear and not, not just because of pressure, but 
you're using sound thinking as you approach it. In other words, you're, you have a, a, a sober, a reasonable mind when you approach the issue. All of these things, these are nine different things that God will use in order to, to get your attention and to guide and direct you into the, the, the specific will of God for your life. Now, with all of that in mind, I've got one more verse and I'm done. Go to, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We referred to this chapter before having to do with giving. But there is a principle there that is absolutely necessary when it comes to finding God's will. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and really all of these nine signposts are wrapped up uh, in, this, in, this, uh, in this verse. 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 5 says, speaking of those, some people that, uh, people in Macedonia that were a real blessing to him and were a real encouragement to him. And it says that out of their poverty they gave, they didn't do it out of their abundance. And they just, they were, were wanting to be a help and a blessing to the Apostle Paul. And, uh, he, well, let's go, go up to verse uh, 4. It says, praying us with much entreaty that we, we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And then verse 5 says, And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Now that's just simply coming to God with this whole business with God's will and saying, God, I, I give myself to you. I give myself to others. Uh, I am just a servant. I am a servant to you, and I am a servant to others. And I'm willing to go. I'm willing to do anything that you would have me do. If that's your heart, and you use these various signposts along the way, you will find the specific will of God for you. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we ask your blessings upon the things that we've heard tonight. And Lord, may we be able to take these things and implement them uh, in the next decision that comes into our lives. Maybe there is someone here tonight who is wrestling with a particular thing, not knowing which way to go. May, may these, these signposts be used in their lives to lead them, to guide them, and direct them. But most of all, more than anything, may they be just fully surrendered to you. And may their desire be such to want to please you and honor you in all things. God, may they, may they give themselves even tonight. Now, may we, if we're holding anything back, uh, maybe we're not in the middle of a decision yet, but there is there there is, is something that we've touched on tonight that is being held back. And I, Lord, I've I've gone through those kind of situations over and over and over again in my Christian walk. Uh, Lord, if that's the case, may tonight be the night that they just simply put those things, put those reservations, put those things they're holding back, put those things that they're holding on to. Uh, put them on the altar and give themselves wholly to you as a servant. Give themselves wholly to others as a servant. And in that order, may we serve you first 
and then others so that your, our lives can get the honor and glory and be right smack dab in the middle of the will of God. We pray your blessings upon uh, this invitation. Work in our hearts. And as you do, may we say yes to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.